FNR, Football Nation Radio. Here comes the money! Oh, they're going to win it with less than 30 seconds to play! Extraordinary change at the new calendar! What a hit! What a hit! Football Bosses with Marco Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR, Football Nation Radio. Welcome to the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata with you where we talk about uh, all things football and uh, the business of football. Tony Pinata, welcome. Hey Michael, it's uh, good to be back. Another week. Yeah, another big week uh, with uh, some big news breaking today that Tim Cahill will leave, of course, Melbourne City looking for another club. And effective immediately, the fact that uh, you know he could move on and sign with another club uh, given they've parted ways doesn't have to wait for January. No, he does. He does. He does because he's a free uh, agent. He's a free agent, but he's under, he was under contract when the um, transfer window shut. Right. So he can only play now in January. Okay. Well, that's not far away. Uh, there's been uh, already a link to Adelaide United, and uh, the fans in Adelaide seem to like that speculation. Uh, and they could do with a player like Tim Cale. What do you think? Oh, it'd be fantastic. I mean, you know, Cooper Stadium, and you know, fill that up. Um, they they need something. You saw last week against Sydney, they were very very good. Uh, just couldn't finish it. But um, you know, I think hopefully Tim can stay in the A League. Um, but he needs game time. If he wants to go to Russia, he needs game time. And I think that's you know on the business side of it, you know what it takes to to get a player across to a club. It, Tim Cale's contract uh, stipulated that he'd be a marquee in year one. Uh, come under the salary cap in year two. What sort of money would, would Tim Cale be looking for now, do you think? And uh, do you think, given his age, he should pretty much go there and play for, for minimum wage? Yeah, look, I hate specula- speculating on, on contracts and, you know, they've still got a salary cap um, Adelaide, so I'm not sure how much they've got left in, spe- uh, in the salary cap. But, you know, if, if they want a player like, like Tim and Tim wants game time, um, then they can make it work. I don't think it's about money now. It's about game time. It's about him getting on that plane to Russia. And in terms of the uh, pulling power of someone like Tim in a market like Adelaide, uh, what's your view? Do you think he's still got the, the profile and the, and the brand to attract uh, people to Cooper Stadium? Oh, you saw what he did um, you know, in, in the World Cup qualifiers in Syria, definitely. And uh, Adelaide is a market that would, um, would come out and watch someone like Tim. You know, when Alessandro Del Piero, um, you know, went over um, to Adelaide, there was, you know, thousands at the airport and um, Cooper Stadium was sold out. So someone like Tim would, would sell out. And it's, you know, a 16,000-seater stadium. So, you know, Greg Griffin, get your checkbook out. Do you think Greg uh, will be speaking to, to Tim's representatives today? Probably has. And um, so your gut, gut feel... Look, if you look around the league and uh, the other clubs that may uh, express interest... Uh, Interesting that Adelaide seems to be the, the standout, but uh, there, there aren't too many other candidates. I would have thought that uh, would would uh, perhaps look at him. No, look, uh, and, and when and you I'll look at the structures of teams and yeah. and uh, the ability for yeah. for him to to pull a crowd. Yeah, definitely. And it, look, it is a business decision, but ultimately it'll be up to the coach as well. Um, you know, the, Greg's given the. Uh, I suppose the uh, the reins to the coach to do 
and, and do what he has to do. So he'll have to be part of the decision. But I can't think of anyone else. Maybe Wellington, but I can't see Tim you know, going to Wellington. So I think mm. Adelaide would be a good choice. Now, the other big news this week was that uh, Ian Robson is departing as uh, the CEO of Melbourne Victory. He'll be joining us on Football Bosses soon. But uh, before he does, let me ask you the obvious question. Uh, you left Sydney. You're now back in Melbourne. Would you be interested in the job at Melbourne Victory? Oh, you've put me on the spot, haven't you? I, I, <laughs> on, I do the interview. And, um, yeah, look, uh, Robbo's had a, a good uh, you know, four and a half years and um, you know, he's won a championship. Um, so you know, I wish him well. Um, it's a good gig, uh, Rowan Australia. Of course, be interested in, uh, in Melbourne Victory. It's a, it's a massive uh, organisation. Um, I love football, very passionate about football. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm back in Melbourne. So all I'm doing at the moment is riding my bike. Um, so And hosting a radio show. And hosting a radio show on FNR. But, um, look, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And the club have said that they will uh, put in place a, a temporary arrangement with uh, Richard Wilson, director of the club, to uh, manage affairs for the moment, but uh, then start their search from there. So it sounds as though they will well, we'll speak to uh, all available candidates and, and conduct a, a wide-ranging search, which you'd expect them to do. Yeah, for sure, and that's um, you know that's what what needs to be done. You know, be open and transparent, and uh, you know, see who's who's out there. All right, uh, uh, he will join us, uh, Ian Robson, uh, shortly on the show. Also joining us uh, today is uh, Simon Hill. Great story to tell. Uh, he uh, is the voice of football in this country, and uh, we look forward to speaking to Simon. He'll be joining us after the break. FNR Football Nation Radio. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to Football Bosses on FNR. Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata with you, and we have the boss of football commentary in Australia on the line now, and my colleague of, at Fox Sports, Simon Hill. Thanks so, so much for joining us. Pleasure, guys. Good to be with you. Likewise. Now, there is a fair bit happening in the world of football. We uh, tend to talk uh, ad nauseum about the issues. We have done so uh, over the last few weeks, Simon, about reform. But before we get stuck into the bigger picture, some huge news today around Tim Cale leaving Melbourne City. Perhaps not a surprise to those who are pretty close to the game in that Timmy uh, made it very clear that he wanted more game time. Yeah, I'm still a little bit surprised, I have to confess. Um, it sort of come out of the blue that they mutually agreed to terminate his contract, which, uh, of course, leaves him free to sign for another club pretty much immediately. I think it, in terms of the Australian rules, he would have to wait until the next window opens, which is in January, which is not too far away. Um, but clearly, he's, you know, he's decided that he, he wants to, to play as much as possible in the run-up to Russia. That's understandable. Um, reading between the lines, is there a fallout between him and Warren Joyce? Quite, quite possibly. Uh, it, it appears that you know maybe there's a little bit going on at that club behind the scenes. Um, some fairly big personalities. Maybe that's one of the reasons Warren Joyce has been brought in to try and keep a lid on all that. Um, yeah, fascinating to see where where Tim ends up. I see uh, already he's been linked with a move to Adelaide United. That that would probably be a good fit at the moment. They need a goal scorer. Tim needs game time. Uh, and I'm sure he'd, uh, he puts plenty of people uh, in the stadium as well. So maybe that's a win-win all round, but we'll see. 
Yeah, it's interesting because you and I were both there on the weekend, Adelaide, and uh, from what we saw, he's probably the type of player they, they need right now. And just some of the, the commentary I've seen this afternoon uh, from Adelaide United supporters, uh, they'd, excite, they'd be excited to have someone like Timmy Cale there uh, at Cooper Stadium. He still has pulling power in, uh, in certain markets. Yeah, of course he does. Uh, you know, he's Australia's greatest ever goal scorer, arguably, our greatest ever player. And, uh, you know, he's proven even at the age of 38, which he turns today, I'm led to believe, uh, he can still do it, both at A-League and international level. So uh, I think he's, he's still got a bit left in him. And, uh, you know, Adelaide aren't used to having big-name marquees. Uh, I, I think it would probably be a, a win at the box office for them. They'd certainly sell a lot of shirts with, uh, with Kale on the back if that was to be the way it worked out but I'm sure there'll be you know one or two other clubs interested in him as well um, goal scorers are, are pretty thin on the ground particularly Australian ones that you know might fall under the cap so I, I think it'll have a fair bit of interest um, <clears throat> I think it's, it's a pity from Melbourne City's point of view obviously he came with such you know big uh, big expectations he sort of delivered last year to, to a large degree <clears throat> excuse me and uh you know, help them win the FFA Cup. It's it's just a pity that uh, it's ended on a bit of a sour note. And in, intriguingly, you know, as I'm led to believe, Tim's care was uh, Tim's contract was structured around sort of a, a three-year process. The first year is marquee, second year he came under the cap, third year he moved into coaching. So it would appear that you know he's, he's given that up, or, or he's decided that. Uh, it's best policy to, to try and forfeit that and, and get the game time that he needs to take him to Russia. I know that's a big target for him. Uh, would become the first ever Australian player to play at four World Cups, male that is. I know there are one or two female players who played at four World Cups. Um, and, you know, potentially join a very select band of players who have not only played but have, have scored at four World Cups as well. So, you know, he's always got one eye on, uh, on history and, and his legacy. That's the title of his book. Uh, it's understandable and uh, it's a big decision but you know Tim makes big decisions so good on him if that's the way he feels it's best to go for him um, hopefully the Socceroos will be the winners Simon um, I mean Tim's now this is his second season and um, you know last season he scored I think it was about 11 or 12 goals including yeah. that, uh, that <coughs> winner against uh, Sydney FC in the uh, FFA Cup final what's happening at Melbourne City I mean over the last few weeks you've seen um uh, Joe Montemuro leave, who's gone to Arsenal uh, as head coach of the, uh, the women's team there. Volcanus was um, sort of came to a mutual agreement, um, and now and now Tim. I mean, you know, Melbourne City have got the resources, etc. But you know, this is what season four, five now, and we just I haven't seen them sort of be at the level they should be, given all yeah. the resources they've got. Well, I totally agree with you, Tony, and uh, you know that they should really be. Uh, up there challenging Sydney FC for the championship. They may still well do that, of course, but as I say, I, d I get the impression that, you know, one of the issues maybe last season was they had all that talent available, but after winning the FA Cup, as you remember, they, I think they only won six more games between then and the end of the season. They sort of dropped away quite significantly, and I, I remember in particular the uh, uh, the game against Perth Glory at the end of the season that they lost 5-4, and, and Tim was actually interviewed on Fox Sports afterwards, and you know, we, were, we were all a bit gung-ho because it was a very exciting game to watch the neutral, but Tim was almost crestfallen. He said, you know, it was a mess. That game was a mess. And I, and I think, as I say, Warren has been brought in really to try and bring some structure to uh, not only the playing ranks, but maybe the club as well. It, it is a club that has 
you know, very big personalities, uh, not, not just Tim, but they brought in Ross McCormack, uh, who's certainly a natural goal scorer and a, and a big talent, but, you know, it's been well documented. He's had some off-field issues. Uh, Neil Kilkenny, I know, has not been happy to have been left on the sidelines either. Um, there, there, there's lots of big personalities at, at that club, and it needs a very strong coach to you know to keep a lid on all that and and to keep them focused in the right direction now obviously as things stand you know we don't we don't know whether whether warren is is that man but you know in terms of the league table at least they're doing all right they're third they won at the weekend um so that you know they're still well in uh, well in title range but uh it can it can be easy to get distracted by a lot of the the off-field stuff, and there are so many rumours swirling around at the moment, it's, it's difficult to know really where, where the truth lies. There's no doubt that uh, they have underperformed uh, on and off the park. Uh, a discussion for another day. We know that uh, FFA reform is uh, another hot topic, and Simon, you've been following it, it closely. Uh, it's dragging uh, the brand of our game and the reputation of our game through the mud. Uh, we still now have no resolution. Where do you see this one landing? Well, I mean, in all honesty, Zappa, I, I can only speak from the outside, obviously, as, as most of us can. Um, my view on it is the, the stakeholders have had long enough to try and come to a resolution. Clearly, they, they can't find one. Uh, the, the two parties, particularly the, the, the FFA and the clubs, are poles apart, they're entrenched in their positions, neither is, is budging um, so if FIFA is serious in its threat to, to bring about a normalisation committee, for me, that they have to implement that because uh, you know, I've heard a rumour saying that uh, Stephen Lowy or the FFA are maybe looking at trying to get you know, a couple more weeks to broker a solution well, how many more weeks, how many more months do they need? You know, clearly it's, it's not going to happen and I think there's there's an atmosphere of uh, toxicity around the game at the moment, which unfortunately I have to say I think is is leaking into the A League. You know, the, the A League is is being neglected uh, by all this stuff. Uh, it's almost in a holding pattern at the moment, waiting for resolution or, or maybe even revolution. I don't know. Uh, and it needs to be sorted quickly. You know, the, the, this is the last thing the game needs. We, we seem to go through a lot of these processes uh, at certain periods of time, you know, boom bust, boom bust, I wrote this a couple of weeks ago, uh, and really we need to be set on a, on a path that has a clear strategy, a clear vision for the future, with all the different stakeholders in the game united now, th- th- this is a, a problem, and you know, Tony will know this from his days in the game that goes back uh, even beyond the Crawford reports but if, if you read the Crawford report today, what he wrote 14, 15 years ago is as relevant today as it was on the day that he wrote it. Uh, you know, there, there is still not proper representation of various parties. The, the game still doesn't have an independent A-League. And whilst those things don't exist, then you're going to have this tension. You're going to have these problems. So, you know, this is our big chance to sort it out. <clears throat> now, it appears that we can't do it internally. So, to me, if FIFA has uh, any integrity at all. It has to act on what it's threatened on for the last six, eight months, and it has to take control and uh, resolve all these issues, not not just in the short term, but for the long-term health of the game, because otherwise, in five, six, ten years' time, however long it is, we're going to be back to this same point again. 
um, and we're never going to re- resolve this problem. So uh, I think the game is at a, is a very at a, at a very crucial juncture at the moment, and uh, we're at a fork in the road, and we, and we have to choose the right path. Otherwise, as I say, we're going to be back to square one in goodness knows how many years' time again. Spot on, um, Simon. I mean, you know, we're. Uh we haven't seen the, the state of the A-League since um, 2010, 11, 11, 12. I mean, yep. the last two yep. weeks we've, we've been averaging about 8,000 across the five games. It's uh, yep. it's um, yep. you know, terrible because, um, you know, the fans can feel it. Everyone can feel it. And, uh, you know, the clubs are saying, well, where, why aren't people coming to the games? Uh, you know, but there is a, that, as you said, that toxicity around uh, the whole game at the moment. And, you know, we go gangbusters and then we, we shoot ourselves in the foot it's it's very very uh, frustrating well, yeah. you know tony just to pick up on that th- this is where you need now, now you were involved with sydney fc when you went out and got alessandro del piero which was absolutely fantastic for the game and on the back of that the wanderers signed shinjiana newcastle jets signed emil husky yes we had the introduction of the wanderers as well in 12 mm-hmm. 13 and all of a sudden we had tremendous momentum and and the game was really flying now what needed to happen the season after that was we needed three more marquees and we needed a plan not necessarily to expand you know the the year after but within the next three or four years of that and you know proper achievable goals with the financial resources behind it and and the whole of the game united behind those plans and instead we've we've slipped back to where we were pre-del piero uh, and we, this is what I mean about boom, boss, boom, boss. And we can't keep doing this because, you know, fans do lose faith. And, uh, you know, it's almost a case of, oh, here we go again. So that's the job of the game's leaders. Now, I'm not, I'm not pulling, putting all the blame on either the FFA or all the clubs. This is a, a collective responsibility. Every, everybody's got to share the responsibility in this. But we have to get this right. Otherwise the league is not going to uh, achieve its full potential and you know we, we've said this on so many occasions in the past we've only just begun to scratch the surface of where not just the a-league but the game of football in australia can grow it uh, can go we've got so much growth left but we have to be united together to achieve that because if we're fighting against each other we're, ne- we're never going to get to where we need to go yeah, and that's exactly where we're at at the moment. Uh, let's hope uh, it is resolved very quickly. If it does get resolved, the most uh, um, well uh, probable outcome at the moment, by the looks of things sitting again from the outside, is that uh, the normalisation committee is established and uh, an independent A-League is set up. And uh, there's a, in a group of clubs that have been agitating for this change for some time. Simon Pierce, we know, has been one of the key agitators and uh, Greg Griffin has also been very vocal in uh, his uh, support of an independent A-League. Is this the model you think that we need to bring our game forward, a model that we've seen successfully implemented in some of the big uh, countries and and leagues across Europe? Well, uh, uh, you'd hope so. I I certainly think it would be uh, a step forward for the game. I mean, you know, the, the honest answer is we don't know whether that would be, uh, you know, the, the silver bullet to drive the game forward. But what I do know at the moment is that the game is in a holding pattern. Uh, FFA revenues have remained static at around $100, $110 million for the last five or six years. And that means that, you know, the A-League continues really on sustenance living. Um, <clears throat> it's a subsistence existence. And 
we, we need to drive those revenues higher. Now, the clubs believe that they can do that. Um, if they can, brilliant. Um, I think one thing is certain, we, we've tried the other way for a certain number of years and, you know, we've, we've hit a bit of a roadblock. So, uh, obviously, that what needs to be protected, and it, it, here is where I do have some sympathy with the FFA and with Stephen Lowe, you know, the national team programmes and the grassroots, they need to be protected as well. It can't all be about the clubs. And, you know, the, the clubs have, as I say, got some of their own responsibility to bear as well for the stagnation to a certain extent of the A-League. I mean, you know, let, let's just use your old club, Sydney FC, for the for an example. I'm, I'm by no means pinning all this on them, Tony, but they just won three trophies in 2017. And outside of, outside of the, the derby against the Wanderers, they're averaging under 11,000 people. Now, in a city the size of Sydney, you know, that should be at least double, given the football they're playing, given the success they're having. But uh, whether that's a symptom of, of the wider malaise of the competition, I don't know. But, you know, clearly they should be doing a lot more to connect with their community. And they're, they're by no means alone. You know, I used the example of Wellington Phoenix, who only two years ago were given, uh, you know, basically uh, an ultimatum. Get your house in order. You've got a 10-year license, but it's structured around metrics, 4 plus 3 plus 3. Well, you tell me what they've achieved in the two years since they were given that ultimatum. They're bottom of the league. They had 5,000 people there at the weekend. There's no mar marquee or discernible marquee that's going to bring in, you know, new bombs on seats. Um, again, a lot, a lot of the clubs just seem to be in a bit of a holding pattern. And uh, maybe the independent A-League is, is the way to drive that forward. Um, I, I certainly think that we need a new model to attract new investments and more importantly than that, uh, a longer-term strategy to grow the league in terms of expansion because a 10-team league, and, and look, we all love the A-League, but you know it can get a bit samey when you're playing teams three times a season plus maybe one more meeting in the Cup. And yeah. uh, you know fans want to see something different. And you know I keep hearing that, oh, we can't afford it, we can't afford it. Well... You know, people said that ahead of the start of the A-League in 05, 06. Oh, it'll never work. You'll never get a professional competition. You'll never be a part of Asia. Uh, you'll never qualify for a World Cup. You'll never win the Asian Cup. Well, we've done all that. Yeah, we can't keep going on saying we can't do that. We can't do that. We've, we've got to, you know, reach for the stars and maybe we'll hit the moon. I don't know. Um, but one thing I do know is, you know, th this current uh, subsistence existence can't continue because it's taking us nowhere. Simon, uh, brilliantly said, and uh, we, we know that uh, you're short of time, but I do want to have a chat to you about your uh, your new book. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, <laughs> if you're still shopping for Christmas, and there's still plenty of time for Christmas for your dad or your brother or your sister, whoever, Just a Gob on a Stick is the new book written by Simon Hill, and uh, it's on your bookshelves now. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, uh, well, it's my story, basically, um, and I've, I've been writing it for about, five years five years uh, it was an idea that sort of came to me many years ago my, my dad uh, when I when I started working in journalism in England uh, yeah, I would come home and tell him some stories of things that I'd seen or done or heard or whatever and he'd say oh you should write that down lad. you should write the book one day yeah. so uh, eventually I thought you know what I'll give it a crack and uh, I, I've been writing it sort of in, in the off season mainly when I've had a bit of time and a bit of space to think and uh, after five years, I, I managed to get it done, and I, I thought, I'll, you know what, I'll take it to my agent and see if there's any interest. Unfortunately, there was from New Holland, so there it is. 
the title, which seems to have caused a fair bit of uh, amusement, actually comes from a conversation I had with uh, a former BBC colleague many years ago, a guy called Gary Hickson, and we were sat around a table. You, you'll recognise this. We were talking about a radio show that we'd done and hadn't gone down too well with the public, and uh, my mate Gary Hickson said rather resignedly, you know, no matter what any of us say uh, to some in the public, we'll always only just be a gob on a stick. Yeah. And that sort of stuck with me, and I thought it was funny, and uh, I thought it was a good title. It sort of sums us up in the media, doesn't it? That's what we are. We're just a gob on a <laughs> exactly. stick. Exactly. And it's uh, forwarded by the birthday boy, Tim Cale. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, Tim was very uh, gracious in uh, in offering his services to do the forward, and I, I have to say, I know Tim gets a bit of uh, you know mixed press at, at, in some quarters, but uh, when I asked his agent would he be prepared to do it within 24 hours, Tim actually called me up personally and said it, it, it'd be an honour. I'd be delighted to do it. So. Uh, I thought that was really nice, and he's written some very kind words. So, yeah, I'm very fortunate in, in the fact that, you know, my my path has, has crossed quite a lot with Tim, and he's given me some of my, my, my greatest moments in commentary. So for that, I thank him. And Good. forward, of Yeah, course. and uh, the one in uh, in Kaiserslautern, probably right up there. Uh, I think Tony and I were both in the stadium, so we didn't hear it live, but uh, we've heard it many times uh, afterwards. Tell us, uh, I know there are many great stories in that book, but uh, your, your, your best line... Dreams come true in sky blue. <laughs> you like that one, Tony? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, there's maybe a bit of a nod to Martin Tyler in there, to be honest, because he said something similar when. Uh, Had you when prepared? Manson, did you title. did you work that in, or you just came on the you know at the moment, or did you think, well, here we go, it's penalty, Nick goes walking. How did you come yeah, up with that line? No, I, I had that sort of in mind. Um, you know, when you when you do big games, sometimes things come to you sometimes you you have a line prepared because obviously you want to capture that moment uh, not just for the the viewers at home but you know for the supporters who will relive that moment for, for many years to come so uh as i said that, that that was a prescripted line that the one the year before when uh Isaiah scored the free kick and i said see senor see uh that just came to me to be honest as he was lining it up so that that was a nice one i think they even made that into a t-shirt down in adelaide so yeah, it's it's a funny sort of business because you only get one shot at it. So you, you've got to try and choose the line carefully. And also it's, it's about how you deliver it. Like, for example, I don't know if you remember when Del Piero, I'm sure you do, yeah. Tony, scored his first goal for Sydney. And I said something along the lines of, uh, you know, that's why, that's why they paid the money. Uh, that's what they came to see. That's the measure of the man. Yeah. Um, now that's that worked really nicely because he scored a twenty-yard curler of a free kick. Had he scuffed one in off his shit from two yards out, <laughs> then it probably wouldn't have worked. So, <laughs> you, you know, you have to you have to sort of choose your lines carefully and and just hope that you reflect the emotion of the occasion for the people watching at home and and for the supporters of that club or that team who will obviously go and you know relive that moment a hundred times. And if you stuff it up, then you'll no doubt be reminded of it. <laughs> so what's um, what's your best line ever? My best line ever? Do we have to read the book, maybe? Blimey. Um, <laughs> there are big moments in big games, aren't there, Simon, where you, you, yeah, you fondly remember? I, I think, um, I mean, you know, the, the, the World Cup in 2006, I wouldn't say it was a line particularly, but, uh, you know, it just had to be Harry. I remember saying that. Um when Harry Kuehl scored the equaliser against Croatia, which yep. took Australia through to the, the round of 16, that seems to, you know, resonated with with a lot of people. And sometimes it's not, 
it's not a line, but it's the emotion in your voice, like the, mm. the, the Tim Kale goals in Kaiserslautern. Mm. You know, I almost went off the scale, and mm. and that's because I was excited, uh, as everybody else was. It was just like a jaw-dropping moment that he he banged in these two brilliant goals, and uh, you know, people forget we were, we were one nil down with eight minutes to go and staring down the barrel of defeat. So, you know, when you, when you when you have those moments and you listen back to them, you either think, yeah, that was good, or yeah. You know, I might have done that a bit better. And I'll give you one of the latter ones. You know, the game against Uruguay, and a lot of people have, have listened to that penalty shootout, including me, ad nauseum. And, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly happy with that call even now because, there, put it this way, if I, if, I, if I did it today, I think I would probably say something a bit different. But uh, as I say, that's, that's the curse of the commentators. You only get one shot at it, unfortunately, and you have to try and get it right. And being a Manchester City fan, uh, Martin Tyler's call... Was it Martin Tyler oh, yeah. of the Manchester <laughs> City goal uh, that won them the title? That uh, that would bring a smile to your face. Yeah. Now, you, you see, again, that's not necessarily a line, but it's it's the emotion yeah. as, as his voice trails off from the Aguero yeah. uh, almost disbelievingly. Um, you know, that that's what made that such a classic call because it just fitted that particular moment. But it's, you know, it's not, it's not a distinct... Um, Art that you can say you have to say A or B or C, and you know this mm. stuff. You, you've called games as well. It, it's about being in the moment and and hopefully finding the right words to reflect what you've just seen and the and the emotion that that uh, engenders in the football public. And you know, also I have to say, you know, I've been really really fortunate in that I've been selected to be behind the microphone for some of the biggest moments. Mm. Um, so it's about the size of the moments as well as what you do with it, really. But, um, you know, wherever I end up, wherever that line, um, <laughs> dreams come true. And <laughs> Let it go. go. It'll Let resonate it go. with me forever. <laughs> yeah, it will. I'll, Let it go, I'm pleased Tony. about that. Yeah, a few Sydney <laughs> FC fans have said that. Which is, yeah, and that's, that's really nice for a commentator to, to feel that people, uh, you know, get a little bit of uh, emotional feeling because of something that you said. Um, and, and as I say, hopefully it, it did sum up the moments as he as he ran off towards the code the, the, the cove it's you know we're, we're very privileged to play our little part in that but uh won't be tired if you get it wrong then we know about it simon uh, <laughs> you've been very generous with your time uh, the generation that grew up with uh, the voice of martin tyler my generation and the next generation is growing up with the voice of simon hill and i've been lucky enough to work alongside simon alongside simon for a long time now and uh, we thank you very much for joining us on football bosses my pleasure, guys. Nice to chat with you. Simon Hill, don't forget you can grab his book, Gob on a Stick. Just a gob on a stick from all good bookstores and online. Simon Hill on the Football Bosses. Plenty more coming up after this break. FNR, Football Nation Radio. Here comes the money. Oh, they're going up with less than 30 seconds to play. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to Football Bosses on FNR. Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata with you, and uh, the boss of the Melbourne Victory Football Club joins us now, Ian Robson. Thanks for joining us, Robbo. 
Zappa, how are you? Yeah, very well. Congratulations uh, to you on your new role. Uh, we'll be uh, sad to see you leaving our sport. Uh, of course, it was announced uh, this week that uh, you'll be leaving Melbourne Victory and uh, heading off to a new job at Rowing Australia. Four and a half years at the club. When you assess it all, how did you enjoy your time? Oh, well, first and foremost, um, thank you for the opportunity to have a chat with you both. But it, without doubt, I have enjoyed my time. Um, it's, it's been a wonderful uh, experience for, for me and my family to have uh, been part of the, the Victory family. And one thing I, I can truly say is that whilst I might be moving on to, to a new sport, I, I, you know, I'll always uh, have a part of me invested in, in this football club. It's a, it's a great organisation that, that uh, is uh, made up of some fantastic people which, which starts at the top with, with Anthony DiPietro and, and the board and through to the, the management team, the executive staff, everyone involved, uh, Kevin and the playing group. So it's been a privilege, a privilege for me and you know, to be as, as Tony experienced last year at, at, at Sydney when you get the opportunity to be involved in sort of the ultimate success with, with championships. That always puts icing on the cake but in so many respects those, those trophies moments uh, are uh, an opportunity to reflect on the journey and the commitment of so many people um, behind the scenes to get it right over a long period of time so privileged uh, very respectful of a, a great organisation and, and it's with a sadness that I leave but also with a sense of excitement about the new opportunity well, congrats on the new uh, new role, um, Ian. And um, you know, four and a half years at a at a football club, so it is a long time. I know um, it's tough. Um, but uh, out of those four and a half years, you mentioned you know the 2015 championship, etc. What was the highlight for you? If you sit back, have a beer, and and reflect, what would be the one highlight of your four and a half years tenure at, uh, at Melbourne Victory? Uh, it's a good question, Tony, and, and um, in some respects my, my highlight moment might be your low-light moment and your highlight moment might be my low-light moment. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that uh, you know, last year um, going into an away grand final and, and Bess scoring that goal and sort of a fair chunk of the game feeling as though uh, we, we, uh, we had the chance to, to secure a, a grand final win away from home and then even Jimmy Troisi shot against the, the woodwork late in injury time might have got it done but for a centimetre the, the other side and it's uh, you, you, you get so close and, and you know but, you know Sydney to their credit last year were, were an enormous team for the duration of the season and, and that's why they deserve the right to have the home home grand, fi- home grand final and I suppose for us undoubtedly the, the highlight for us and, and my time uh, and speaking personally goes back to that grand final moment uh, again because you as CEOs, Tony, and I'm sure you appreciate it, um, there's just so many people that, that are working so hard behind the scenes, uh, giving the, the coach and the players every possible platform of success. And the enduring thing more than anything else uh, from that time is, yes, the smiles of the faces of the people on the pitch, but more importantly, the smiles of the faces of everyone around the pitch and just how happy it makes people and, 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 and the light and, and the... The, the, the energy and the positivity that, that, that success like that can bring to people and uh, that, that's it's a special privilege to be inside the ropes on those occasions uh, but there's no doubt that you know those moments of success those trophy moments are, are the cherries on top and, and uh, uh, you know they're the moments that you, you probably reflect on more, more than any other but and then beyond that it's the individual stories of people that you've worked with their, 
how they've stared down their own challenges, players that have overcome injury or other battles, uh, the personalities that you meet, the friendships that you forge. Um, it's a mixture of things, but uh, the grand final is hard. Uh, the grand final win in 2015 is hard to beat. Robbo, we're at a, a, a time of uh, change in our sport, and you, you've been at the helm of the biggest football club in the country for the last four and a half years. What do you see as our biggest challenge uh, for the A-League in particular over the next few years? Because we have stagnated uh, over the last year or two, uh, and there's a multitude of reasons for that, but it just feels like we, we need to take the next step uh, to grow our game. Yes, I, I've, I, I will walk away, Zappers and Tony, I will walk away as a someone who will always see the future of the game through the prism of a glass that's, that's half full and, and looking with a view of optimism and positivity for the future, notwithstanding the challenges and and even you know, candidly talking to people within my circle of friends who inevitably because of my past are probably more AFL skewed than not. And I, and I, I sort of say, you know, yes, we're, growing, we're going through growing pains, but make no mistake about it, we are growing. And, and it is a bit of a, a painful time at the moment. It feels like there's a big, just like a couple of Fridays ago with that storm cloud that sat over Lakeside when the W League game had to be postponed, bizarrely. There is a big storm cloud hanging over the game at the moment and, and, and some of it is, is of the game's own doing. And, and in some respects, that's part of the challenge. When, you, when your biggest enemies of the game are inside the game, um, sometimes you really do walk away scratching your head and say, how can that be? Uh, it's, it's, I, I hope that uh, with the view of, of, the, of the APFCA and the professional clubs bringing a an agenda that's all about giving the, the A-League the, the oxygen, the clear air to, to carve a, a, a renewed course uh, of, of growth that inevitably then brings into the conversation things like expansion for the next decade. That, that's really what this, this ultimate, this, this process is about. as the overarching governance, of course, of the FFA and the board and what that looks like. But for the A-League clubs, it, it is about getting that chance to, to grab... The, the, the throttle, as it were, to drive a, a path of, of growth and, and to give this, give the game a, a platform to uh, continue its journey of, of, of energy and positivity. That we look to the Socceroos, we look to the Matildas. We see so many good things happening, and we've just got a great opportunity to come in and, and really continue to support that and, and give uh, the clubs an opportunity to build heroes. Because everywhere I go, Zappers and Tony, and that's been one of the enduring lessons: the kids that you see playing the game. We're only 12 years old. The clubs like Sydney FC and, and Melbourne Victory are 12 years old. And I'm standing at our offices at Amy Park as I talk to you and I look across the old Olympic Park and I see Collingwood Football Club that's 150 years old. And if we look at what we've achieved in half a generation, and Collingwood's six generations old. And yes, they've got 70,000 members, but here at Victory, we, we're, we're not that far away from 30,000 members. And we think about so much has been achieved. And, and there's so much to build upon, but we've just got to get a few of these fundamental governance pillars right to build that next platform to then surge again. It's a bit like, I suppose, climbing a mountain, Zappa. Sometimes you've just got to bolt in, draw your breath, and then go again, and that's what I sort of feel like where the game is at at the moment. There's been a lot of uh, talk about an independent A-League and uh, and that being a model that the clubs would prefer to, to work with in the future. Is, is that, in your view, the best solution? I think it's really the only, the only solution. Um, it's, it's about having dedicated resources that focus solely on the league um, in, in every possible sense, whether that be operationally, whether that be from a marketing perspective, 
we've got a range of things that we need to to deal with. Zappers from engage and include you know all of our key stakeholders, not least to which is a Fox and and, and hopefully in, in an ongoing sense a Network Ten from a freeware point of view. But whether that's fixturing issues around ACL, whether that's fixturing issues around international breaks, whether that's uh, when we should do we start the competition the week after the two major winter coach grand finals or before. There's a whole range of really practical issues that, that we've got to get more involved in, in, in how those work beyond then dealing with you know, dedicated resources to, to commercialise the game and bring in the much-needed commercial support because all of those things are achievable. But we've just got to find a, a, a tighter way of working on that together and harnessing the power of the clubs and, and harnessing a national code that, that has so much potential. Again, you've you just got to look at where other codes sit and the challenges that rugby have faced Rugby League is enjoying you know, healthy TV numbers at a time when participation rates have dropped and the last lot of participation says League and Union are now outside the top ten and, and, and football um, is so far away the number one. You, you say, OK, well, that's, that's a great platform to work from and I think if we can get that league proposition tight and right and get everyone involved, I think there's so much more that can be achieved. Ian, do you feel the... Um you know, you spoke about sort of attendances and stuff like that. Do you feel that attendances are, you know, they are low at the moment? Um, is due to, I suppose, the push to to get more viewers on 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 TV and watch them on on whether it's One HD or, or Fox. Well, there's that inevitable tension, Tony, in the scheduling. Is it is it a time slot that suits um, the fans and and would create an opportunity for more to come, or is it a time slot that suits the fans that? that can't get to a game in the city at home, and, and that's that's always going to be um, an arm wrestle of, of, to some degree. But we, we you see, it's always interesting. We say the crowds are low, and it's part of that because the crowds are low because of the uh, the capacity of our stadiums that aren't always full, or the crowds are low because we're constantly measuring against the AFL. The second biggest code in the land, the NRL. We've only got to tick over a thousand or two more on average per week, and our crowds are bigger than the NRL clubs. Yeah, the last so two. Sometimes again, it's the prism you look through, and I think what are we? Six, I think the fifteenth or sixteenth highest league in the world in terms of crowds, and again, we're tw- we're twelve years old, so it's it's a it's a it's a fair measure in some respects, but it's also because of the scale of the opportunity, because you've got those empty seats. How do we get people in? How do we convert? The, the twenty, the twenty-five percent of people who are currently playing the game, who are fans of A-League clubs, how do we make that fifty percent or seventy-five percent, which is the AFL number? That's the, that's the scale of you know, if you like, the depth of the challenge, but the scale of the opportunity. I mean, I know that um, you know the clubs are sort of you know saying, well, FFA aren't doing enough in marketing, promoting the game. Do you feel the clubs are doing enough? I'll be honest, I don't think they are doing enough. And they're, they're hiding behind the FFA. Um, but I, I can also understand, being from Clubland, the, the dollars and, and the resources isn't there to, to go out there and promote the game. You know? so well, some of, of that, Tony, is, if you think about when the league first started, and, and, and I wasn't involved in the league then, and you've, you've had vast experience um, in various roles in the game, across the Wellington, obviously, in, in, in Sydney. And when we started 12 years ago, of course, there was no Big Bash, um, there was no AFLW. You know, there was genuine clear air in the summer. And, and, and in some respects, you know, we didn't need to be overly sophisticated or overly invested in marketing because we were filling a void before the test, the test matches started. And they sort of went from first week in December to maybe the end of January. And then we, we had the slack. And then before you get to the pre-season, now what was clear air is very cluttered air with a whole range of 
you know, scenarios. Now, NBL's up and running. Obviously, here in Melbourne, we have a you know, big month in January with the tennis. The AFLW starts in February. Um, there's so many distractions for that, for that entertainment dollar. So whether it's we've got to create um, bigger resources, uh, literally measured by dollars, or whether it's smarter resources about how we go about it, that all gets back to, to collaboration. And I think your, your, your challenge is there. It needs to be something that we all accept our responsibility, but there can be no doubt that you know, compared to, say, a year ago with the impact of the Yoshi campaign and you've got to have a team and on, on the day of Tim's news, ironically, how all that was built up last year uh, compared to what was a very muted but ultimately under-resourced launch this year. It's, it's chalk and cheese, and as a result, it sort of got compounded then by, because of the enormous results of, of Richmond and Storm in the Grand Final. And, and what it was like in Sydney that week, but here in Melbourne, to try and then get some clear air to promote our game for a grand final replay was incredibly hard. So that's why, that's why you end up with a, a, a much broader conversation around scheduling, fixturing, and then what, what marketing dollars you can put on top of that and how you invest them. And when we talk about expansion, before we let you go, uh, the, the broader issue about where the next club should come. We, I think we all agree there should be more clubs in the competition and it needs to happen sooner rather than later. A lot of people think that there should be another club in Melbourne. I personally disagree. What's the view of uh, the Melbourne victory? Oh, we don't have a formal view as a club. We've never discussed that to any, to any significant degree, to be candid with you. It's, 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 it, it, but what I will say is this. It's, there's no doubt that the, 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 um, the competition needs to grow beyond simply the 10 teams, beyond the five games a week, because if, if we're to create more product to sell to the broadcasters, that then gives you the opportunity to create an increased economy, which allows you know, new clubs to come in in a manner that doesn't uh, undermine or it's most fundamental, reduce the level of income support the existing clubs are getting. That's, how, that's the AFL model, that the NRL have tried that, have retreated from it, and they'll, they'll contemplate that again in the future. So that's the, the, the what we need to do is not in dispute. What is under discussion and consideration and contemplation is how we do it, where we do it, and when we do it. And, and you know, a year or so ago, there was something like, what, 10 different parties that the, the FFA had received expressions of interest from, and in Victoria, they're clearly involved, you know, Geelong, South Melbourne, and a group in the southeast. That, that, that's a matter that the whether it's the governing body of the game as it's currently structured or, the, or a newly constructed A-League um, operating model and, and, and you know, an overarching management company dealing with it, we'll, we'll set a criteria and, and, and work with it accordingly. But the big, big challenge is you have to grow the economy and that's, that's code for you need more money in the pool. Ian, we thank you very much for joining us uh, on the show. We've run out of time, but uh, congratulations on your uh, tenure at Melbourne Victory, uh, a club that continues to grow and continues to be an example to uh, other clubs uh, across the competition. Thanks, gentlemen. I've enjoyed uh, working with you both across the four and a half years and, and the world of sports administration is indeed a small village and I look forward to seeing you again in the future, not too far away. Well, the best thing. Ian Robson, uh, CEO of Melbourne Victory, joining us on The Football Bosses. Corner, lungo, attenzione il pallone al centro, il tiro, la ribattuta, e arriva Kiko, il tiro, la rete, la rete della Spagna. Your voice of football. FNR, Football Nation Radio. FNR, Football Nation Radio.
Football Bosses with Marco Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Football Bosses. Uh, before we wrap things up here with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata, some great guests. We thank Ian Robson and Simon Hill for joining us. Tony, we've got another big guest on the go. Can you tell us who you've been speaking to during the week? Yeah, hopefully um, in the next uh, few weeks we'll get uh, Alessandro Del Piero. So I've been in touch with him and um, just trying to organise a time and uh, it be great to get him on and um, ask him some questions about his time in, uh, in the A-League, uh, how he saw the league and his time in Sydney and what he's doing now and uh, his view on, on Italy not making the World Cup. There's heaps. We can, we can do a whole show just with Alessandro. I'm sure we can. We look forward to chatting to the great man, Alessandro Del Piero. Tony's on the case, so he'll be joining us in the next few weeks here on Football Bosses. Thanks for joining us, uh, We'll see you again next week. Here comes the money. Oh, they're going up with less than 30 seconds to play. Extraordinary change and the new calendar. What a hit. What a hit. Football Bosses with Marco Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Dalla, dalla,